All right, welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line podcast featuring Jason Evans and David Biggs. We're from Drink5.com and excited to begin our season of Drink5 Fantasy Podcast, along with the regular season of the NFL starting up. Oh, are, yeah. You're excited about that, too? Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, we are going to be broadcasting every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m., starting tonight, of course, at the, at the just-on-time hour of 8.05. Exactly. <laughs> every day, right on time at 8 o'clock. So we're working really Guaranteed. well. Guaranteed. Or, or five minutes, give or take, you know, depending on our... on our Or your money back. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, welcome to a new season of Fantasy Football. We have been here uh, in the past. If you've listened to us before, we thank you. If you're listening to us right now, we thank you some more. Um, one of the main themes of the show is that, you know, we like to have a beer. We like to talk about what we're drinking. Dave was kind enough to bring, all the way from Michigan, the New Holland Hoptronics... Double India Pale Ale. It's a fantastic double IPA, i got to say. Yeah, right. So this, this particular beer, they call it Dank, Bitter, and Galactic, 9% alcohol. Um, and the Hoptronics has been around for a little while in bottles, right? But just this past weekend was the first time they canned it. So this is from the first canning run of the Hoptronics uh, Beautiful. line. And uh, I recommend it, too. It's good. It might be even better after another one or two. So we got a six pack. We can I see. I think that usually happens. We can see if we can finish it or make a dent in it for tonight. science. For science. Yeah, and then we also have here what a shot of uh, fine Hudson uh, baby bourbon whiskey from New York. Fantastic! It's also good stuff. So cheers to that. Ah, and we've covered what we're drinking tonight. Uh, so I want to launch right in here. We have a lot of things to talk about, of course. This being the first uh, episode before. Uh, the week one preview show, uh, I wanted to go over, and we talked about this uh, recently, just some of the rule changes and player changes on teams, uh, some of the major injuries that have occurred and what what that means for the backup players who might end up being relevant in fantasy. Um, some drafting strategies for the drafts that people undoubtedly have ahead of them for the next two weeks before the season starts. Um, and then some of the articles that are up on the site that people can refer to as well. I just got to say, hopefully you're drafting in the future still. Because if you've already drafted, someone on your team is gone. And that always sucks. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think it's quite as bad as, uh, as some past seasons where you had, like, Tom Brady enter right away or Jordy Nelson. But definitely there are some high-profile guys that are no longer... Sure, um, instead of, like, one super high-profile guy, we've had, like, three or four, like, starters. And I have all of Fantasy them. Fantasy starters. So that's cool. Well, that was a good team at one point, I'm sure. <laughs> um. So let's talk about uh, drafts that we've already done. Any trends that you've noticed in those drafts? Uh, I think Jason and I have probably already completed a total between us of uh, like uh, uh, six or seven drafts. So any guys that you think are going a little bit too early right now or are kind of rising or falling, for example? Um, so definitely the guys who are rising, uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. They're the guys who are going to be replacing um, people. But you, you always want to keep a lookout for that, right? You want always want to... like have more fresh news than everybody else in your league. Well, like rookies, for example, will continue to climb or fall in ADP depending on their performances on preseason games. Even though some people don't put any stock in them, obviously that's where the coaches are getting a lot of um, feedback, you know, by by watching their players out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, let's see, guys that I do like. Um, Or or, or just trends in general, you mean? Uh Uh-huh. Uh, so I think a lot of people are getting smarter about just drafting in general. I think um, a lot of nobody is, has like 
one set strategy that I've noticed. In most of my drafts, everyone seems to lean more towards a best available thing, which I think opens up some of the older strategies that people used to take. Right? I think that it kind of, if everyone is doing two running backs, then that's a terrible strategy for you to take. But if you're the only one doing that, I think that's the right strategy to do. So let's move to draft strategies then. So best player available that you mentioned. Um, of course, that's a really easy thing to do if you're making your own ranking sheet or using someone else's ranking sheet, uh, matching up against the ADP, uh, and then trying to select someone who's the best for your team at that moment, whether it be a running back, quarterback, tight end, whoever's uh, on the highest end of the overall board at that time. Um, but we've got strategies that some people may not have heard of or haven't used in a while, like zero running back strategy was popular over the past two years, where because there were so many running backs that were on teams, they were using them as uh, as a committee. Right, almost everyone was in a committee. And that's still true today, uh, with the exception of, you know, I don't know, three or four There's some more guys. notable exceptions, I would say, today. Um, and that, you know, can lend a lot of strength to your team if you can land two of those guys. Like, if you can, if you draft a McCoy or a Bell in the first round, or David Johnson, and then you can land someone like Kareem Hunt later on in the draft, uh, you know, you possibly have two people who are going to get, you know, each 20 carries a game plus catches. Sure. And the other end of that strategy then is uh, is to, if you don't get a Bell or a Johnson or a McCoy in that first round, because they're all going to go in the first round, then the ones after that are a little more chaotic. When you agree that a guy like Hunt, you know, is not a guaranteed of uh, a guarantee of anything, he's a rookie, right? So um, he might be a guy who gets the majority of the carries on the team. And there's other players like that, like you mentioned. But it's also a viable strategy and one that I've used to win a league before to simply not draft any running backs until later in the draft, like the eighth or ninth round. Then picking up guys that are. Um, Either guys that are in timeshares that may uh, assume some of those carries at the end or if someone gets injured. Yeah. Or guys that are running back twos or threes that everyone kind of lets fall to the wayside. Because in in rounds uh, one, two, three, four, and most of the drafts that I've been in, uh, they've been overwhelmingly wide receivers this year. Yes, absolutely. And one of the other things I've noticed uh, in drafts this year is that the tight end uh, pool um, seems to go right in the middle of the draft because there are only like two guys at the top three, I guess with Olsen, Kelsey and Gronkowski. And after that, like Jordan Reed is questionable. Jimmy Graham is questionable. And once all those guys start going like by the eighth round of the draft, you're kind of stuck without any real options. Eighth, ninth round. It's certainly, you know, I agree with you, but it has been a long time since there, there've been, tight ends that were viable after the top five or so. I mean, I don't know if there ever has been, right? Uh, that that talent pool drops off right away, like you said. Sure, but I mean, you've got Tyler Eifert as the sixth-ranked tight end right now. I think that you, you may not want to reach, but don't wait too long for tight ends. I made that mistake in a couple of drafts, and I wound up with, like, bottom-of-the-pile garbage. you got to – I would endorse going ahead and using, like, a sixth, seventh-round pick on a tight end. Um, so that you can get a guy who is going to have a lot of action because the league is move, you know, is not moving towards that, but they copy success. And a lot of teams have been very successful with the tight end, and other teams are going to keep copying that. You know, Cincinnati is just going to keep throwing to the tight end. Uh, other teams like Minnesota are going to keep throwing to Kyle Rudolph. So um, you need to you need to get one of those guys. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck down with like Hunter Henry, who's kind of a flyer. Um, 
maybe you have to go with like a Jack Doyle, who's the twelfth ranked tight end. Nobody wants to have Jack Doyle on their team. <laughs> you know, maybe as like a third backup. So Jason likes the tight ends, is what he's saying. Basically. Sure. Yeah, I think that you need to make this year more than like last year and the year before. You need to make sure that you secure a good tight end. There's enough of them out there that it's not just like, a, well, if I don't get the one guy, then I don't care. You know, there's there's enough good guys that you got to get one of them. He's an ass man, I guess. Right. Right. Uh, zero quarterback is a is a good strategy, which is still out there, and all that means is that you're not taking anybody until the very end. Like we just did a, a draft, I think last weekend or the weekend before, where a lot of quarterbacks were coming off early. You know, like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, um, Russell Wilson, etc. But after that, like they they're just kind of peppered in there, and a lot of those guys are not necessarily better than the others. So if you can take a guy like uh, Philip Rivers or Andy Dalton or someone at the end of the draft, I don't really see the reason to reach so highly for a guy like Drew Brees or Russell Wilson in some cases, depending on your scoring for quarterbacks, for example. If it's six-point quarterback touchdowns, obviously a guy like Drew Brees is, is Tom Brady are going to be a little bit higher. Everyone gets a, gets a bump, for sure. But yeah, I think I think people do make the mistake sometimes, uh, like you were just mentioning, and maybe I could use that to my advantage versus you of taking a tight end or a quarterback too high because you feel like you have to have one. I'm not saying too high. I'm not saying like fourth or fifth round, but where they're going at the ADP, just be not, be aware of where they're going at their ADP, like in the 70s and 80s, which means that by the eighth or ninth round, they're gone. So by the seventh or eighth round, I think you need to be you know, thinking about taking them. It's important also to look at what other teams have, I think, uh, to keep track of what they have on their team so that you can see if they're coming around. A lot of people like to fill up their lineups first, which I don't think is necessarily the oh, best that's strategy. that's a terrible idea, yeah. But then you might have a guy who has uh, three wide receivers, two running backs, and a quarterback. What are the odds they draft a tight end there? Pretty high, I think. Uh, that's true. 50% or higher, probably. <laughs> so then you can you could sort of see they might scoop up your guy. So you can kind of have that radar on a little bit, you know. Definitely. Uh, later smart. round wide receivers. Since so many wide receivers are going so early, instead of taking a wide receiver, you could t- uh, concentrate that time doing running backs, quarterbacks, and tight ends like we just mentioned. If you start off a draft, for example, with a guy like Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, it's not going to come back to you for a while. And chances are that most of the picks that are taken between 1 uh, and, uh, what would it be, 20? Right. On the other side are going to be mostly wide receivers. So if you back off of the wide receivers and take a whole lot of depth at the end, you always have that possibility of having better players at the other positions. I think then you're also more likely to have a tight end, or I'm sorry, a wide receiver uh, come up from the depth to play a major role on a team because there's more opportunities for a wide receiver. Um, and you're totally right about wide receivers being very heavy at the top. So the first six wide receivers are being drafted within the first 12 picks. Right. So that includes, you know, all of the running backs and quarterbacks that may be going in those in that time. And and probably Gronkowski as well. Well your original point that people were getting a little smarter, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think people are uh I think people <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean the whole world. I just meant it maybe in my drafts. Well, I think people are just latching on to the strategies that were happening over the past couple of years. So now you're seeing them do the same things that other people were doing two years ago. It's the same thing that the NFL does, Dave. I love it. So as soon as somebody picks out a strategy right now of oh well I'm gonna always draft, you know, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, or something, you know, just it doesn't have to make sense. But People are going to latch on to that the next year. Okay. And I think that's what's happening is that people are latching on to the more popular, uh, like the no quarterback. I There's a lot of 
you know, I felt people who normally might want to just pull a quarterback in the fourth and fifth round because quarterback feels so important and they're the highest scoring player on your team. Um, but there's a lot of waiting on quarterbacks that I saw in my drafts. Yeah, and, and so the thing we talk about almost every year when we finally get down to the meat and potatoes is that it's it's not a particular strategy that's going to beat the other strategies. It's uh, it's like playing poker, like hold them against someone, for example. It's all about playing the players in your league. So if, if those players in your league are using those strategies that you were using two years ago and you won the league, good for them. You know they, They're able to, to copycat you or someone sure. else. Right. But you should be doing the opposite because that's exactly what it's going to take to win this year is to take advantage of the situation that everybody else has decided to glam onto. Right. And if you notice that you're doing the same thing as everybody else, then you know, you're the one with the wrong strategy. Well, you'll probably finish like fourth or fifth, which is, is exactly. no finish at all. Exactly. You'll win, you know, eight games and feel happy about yourself and lose in the second round of the playoffs. You either do something different or you get lucky or else you'll just finish in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Right. Um, so let's talk about auction drafts. Uh, I know that uh, you were excited this year because uh, although you've heard about auctions and have been an auctioneer before, you haven't actually had a league that did an auction draft. So you just completed one. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that just real quickly about, uh, uh, I guess, a couple things. One, uh, do you think that it is slower or faster than a regular draft? Two, um, do you think that it is uh, requires more skill or less skill than a, a regular snake draft? And three, do you think that you will continue to be doing it or bring over more leagues to it or, or go back mostly to the Serpentine or Snake Drafts? All right. So I did indeed start an auction league this year with the sole purpose of wanting to participate in an auction. Um, I, I definitely think that it's slower uh, is a process compared to a regular draft. A regular draft, we usually get done in about four to five hours. This one took five and a half hours once we got going. Um you know, but everyone is way more involved. The participation level is nearly a hundred percent on every single pick. Everyone is interested in what's going on. It isn't until people uh, have their bankrolls down pretty far that they start ignoring what people are doing. Yeah, one of the knocks that I see on a regular snake draft is people just kind of fall out of attention. It's like playing a long board game where a, a turn around the table takes fifteen minutes, and you're like just looking right. at your phone playing. Uh, snake or something it's why we have to implement rules like take a shot if you pick a player who's already taken because though you know it it you know that entices people to pay attention no that's just fun (laughs) so anyways back at the auction draft i had a great time doing it i recommend that everybody at least try it if anybody who's really into fantasy football it's probably not for the beginners of fantasy football um but then again if Somebody had never played before and they weren't familiar with the snake draft. You could just introduce them to the concept of auction drafting. And I think that they would understand what you're talking about. It's when you try to change someone who's comfortable with the snake draft style of picking their team and make it just an auction. That, I think, requires more of a jump than just starting someone from scratch on an auction. Um, That being said, you know, if you've played fantasy for a couple of years, you're going to figure out the auction draft after the first couple of players. Um... You know, it really helps to have a live auctioneer. Dave was our auctioneer. Uh, you did a great job, Dave. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, it, it it definitely is more skill-based because you can do um, a, a larger variety of strategies, right? I mean, you know, things that are available to you in an auction draft are just never possibilities in a regular snake draft. In an auction draft, you can try and draft 
basically three really expensive players and just spend a dollar on everybody else, which would be the equivalent of having like three first round picks and, you know, 10 14th round picks. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always thought that building a team like that could be very interesting uh, because I, you know, maybe think, you know, right or wrong that I have a good idea of the players that are coming up uh, on the waiver wire or the players who are, you know, lower in the draft who are going to have more of an impact than you think. Uh, so people who think that way are definitely going to want to gravitate towards the auction draft because they feel like they can take the advantage from other players. Um, so I love the auction draft. I recommend it for everybody. I recommend that you do it live uh, and that you spend a few bucks and pay someone to run the auction draft for you so that you don't have to be a participant and the you know auctioneer. Do you think it'll that kind of much would be impossible? Do you basically. think it'll kind of weed out uh, those people that aren't very serious about it though? Give, being that uh, you have to be much more involved in every decision, and it's pretty easy to tell that people aren't necessarily you know uh, using a, a ranking sheet or something. Even if you have a cheat sheet for auction, the economy is based purely on that particular league. It's not the same as in a snake draft where you can just keep taking the people that you want to with no apparent regard of what's happening around you. Right. There is no concept of taking the best available player in the auction draft. Like, there's whole... There's well, you can. you can. You can take David Johnson and then Le'Veon Bell, and then you can take <laughs> Antonio Brown, but then you won't have any money left. So. I don't... No, you, you wouldn't have been able to get all three of those guys in our league. Almost. They would, they would have been more than the budget allowed. But yeah, best player available is not going to work. Right. So, um, there's a whole you know, aspect to the strategy of participating in the auction draft that has nothing to do with actually building your team. It has to do with being a member of an auction, trying to drive up prices for other people, trying to introduce players that are going to throw everybody else off, you know, waiting a while to introduce like that sleeper that you want, wait, waiting for people to not have any money left, stuff like that. So um, it, it's, it's a great kind of world to dive into. Uh, with the auction draft. It, it is more skillful. I did say earlier, you could introduce a newbie to it easily, but they certainly wouldn't uh, know like what players to try and bid up, and they wouldn't be identifying players that are uh, usually highly valued, yet you want nothing to do with. Therefore, you're going to bid them up and then stay away. Okay, so, so this is something you're going to pursue going forward, you think is a good, uh, uh, definitely a good way for for people to have a more skill-based version of a snake draft when choosing their players for a fantasy league right and if and and going back to basics i think one of the things that people like about fantasy football is that they can participate in a draft with people and it's like a party um and it's you know just a good time and that's a large portion of the fantasy season is the draft itself this just takes that draft and turns it up to eleven. So definitely, if one of your favorite parts of the league uh, every year is the draft, consider doing an auction draft for one of yours. You don't have to do it every year. You can do it one year and go back to the old way if you didn't like it. Um, but I, I suggest trying it because it <clears throat> really brings the experience of drafting uh, to a completely different place. Okay, how about uh, the FAAB? Could you explain what that is for people and... Uh, you haven't used that in uh, in a lot of leagues, but you've used it before. I've used it in several leagues now. Uh, a lot of the, um, what would we call them? The writers' leagues that we've joined? Yeah, fantasy experts' that. leagues, fantasy writers' leagues. Right, so FAAB stands for Free Agent Acquisition Budget. And typically, uh, for example, what you're going to get is $100 for the entire season. And instead of on a weekly basis, your waiver or order being determined or having a rolling order throughout the year 
um, where you save up the first pick for a while. You basically, everybody has money. And just like the auction, everyone has the same chance at getting each player when you start the when you start the year. So what you'll do is you'll have $100 and you're going to put a claim in on a player just like you normally would, but you're going to have a bidding amount, like an amount that you bid for that player. Uh, with pretty much any setup I've seen, you can always bid $0, which means if you're the only one putting in a claim on them, then you'll get the player. You won't have to spend any money on it. Um, and, and it also, you know, usually has free agents uh, in between during the normal time that you would have free agents. I, I think anybody who's going to switch over to FAAB is already going to be well-versed in the, you know, the ways that regular waivers work. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a it, it introduces more strategy into fantasy. Instead of each week trying and find trying to find the very best player, you have to decide is this a player that's actually going to help my team and not, you know, or am I going to spend this money in order to just keep him off of other teams? Um, and, and that's something that I'll commonly do. I'll put a claim in on a player that I just want to keep off of other teams. Um, but I wouldn't do that as often if I only have a finite amount of money and I have to maybe save that money in order to get an important player down the line. And a lot of people will do that. What I've noticed is that some people only spend a, a dollar here and there and they save almost their entire budget for that one time when that amazing uh, free agent comes available, comes to the waiver wire at least, you know, later in the season. It happens every year. Uh, a big running back goes down and their backup is really really good. Like, imagine Ezekiel Elliott going down. Darren McFadden on the waiver wire would be exploding. Alfred Morris, you mean? Uh, yes, Alfred Morris more so than Darren McFadden. Um, but of course, yeah, there's someone he's who's even, not... he's much better. And in, in that case, those guys, I know it's just an example, but those guys, for example, might already be drafted. But you're going to get someone right. who so people haven't but even say really he's heard not, of. He's, he's going to be the most important waiver pickup of the year. Yeah. So and some people save all their money for that guy. The, the problem is, and this is off subject, but you know, a lot of times now I see that happen, and it happens too early. Someone thinks it's the guy, and then it's not. It's just a fool's gold version of the guy. Yeah. It's, it's the mirage of the yep, guy. Yep. And then later on, in like the tenth week, you get the guy. Right. <laughs> right. The, the dude who only had ninety bucks sure, the, and lost to the one who bid ninety nine. You're looking for the Victor Cruz, basically. You're looking for the Victor Cruz of the. You're looking for the Odell Beckham Jr. of three years ago. Yeah. Who was early in the year? He was like in week three or four. Um. So let's move on to some rule changes real quickly. Um, we can talk about our thoughts about them and how they might impact fantasy relevance. But really, it's important that everyone understand the game if you're going to play a fake version of it. That's my opinion. Uh, so one of the changes is uh, leaping over the line of scrimmage to block kicks. Uh, so it's happened in the past with a lot of different athletic linebackers that would just try to leap over the entire line uh, to block something or to tackle the, you know, the, the actual guy himself. The rule was that you just couldn't touch anybody while you were leaping over them. But now it's actually banned to do it at all or even attempt to do it uh, due to injury concerns, which makes sense. Uh, you know, a guy could stand up while you're in, in midair and like end up doing something crazy to your leg or knee right. or whatever. You may be an expert on things, but it doesn't mean everyone around you is aware of what you're doing. Um, and intentional fouls. Uh, so there's teams that have done what a lot of times what they do in basketball is like everybody's fouling across the court at the same time, and uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't charge everyone on a basketball court with multiple fouls that add up. Or they just call like one. That. They call one, and that's what was happening on the football field. Is that time would come off of the clock, and there'd be like a five yard penalty or something, even though there were a lot of fouls happen simultaneously. 
So now if they're seeing that happen on the field, they're going to give you a much bigger penalty and they're going to take that uh, time and put it back up on the clock. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be something that So we... for multiple fouls on a play, it could penalize the team more. Yeah. And... But only when it's intentional? Yes, exactly. Well, it's it's easily it's easy to see. I think if it's intentional, if you have the entire team like committing fouls at the same time. Because like, what if it's what if a guy is offsides and then another guy holds? That's not going to stack on them, is it? Probably not. It has to be intentional, considered intentional, and that's a, again, it's going to be something the refs have to decide. But probably those kinds of plays or those kinds of fouls will only be called in a game situation where it's kind of obvious that the other team is trying to do that situation. So I, I don't consider that something that we're even going to see. This this uh, new rule is going to try to eliminate that situation entirely. Uh, centralized play review. It's uh, going to help the referees get things right on the field if there's not a good vantage point for them, um, or they're they're not uh, they're caught up in the moment, or they're not uh, you know 100% on the rules. It's going to go to a team uh, that's in New York, that's the official team of the NFL, to go ahead and decide what the ruling should be on those plays. So I know that's in some other sports already, and your opinion on this is probably a positive one, right? I personally think that all the reviews should be centralized. Um, one of the things they do in hockey is that all the reviews take place in Toronto, where they have a centralized room and a crew of people. So you have very consistent decisions. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Real hockey fans are going to scream at me about offsides calls. But I, I feel like if you have the same guys reviewing all of the plays, you're going to have a consistent interpretation of the rules. And that's a good thing. If you have to leave it up to the people on the field to say, we don't have a good view of it, um, can you please tell us what happened? It's not going to happen very frequently, in my opinion, because it's the ref's job to have a good view of what happened. And it, it, they're not the kind of people who are going to say, I, I didn't do my job this time. Can you do it for me? So I, I get the feeling that the centralized replay review will not occur very frequently. Um, not as much as I would like, anyways. <laughs> uh, stronger penalty enforcement for egregious hits. That's good for fantasy players. Um, they're not going to allow people to have really strong hits. Now, there's, this is a, uh, um, a rule that's going to, to be um, in contention for some NFL watchers in general just because they like sort of the barbaricness of everything. But it's going to help the fantasy players because... This, along with another rule where uh, receivers running routes are assigned uh, to be defenseless player, uh, giving them defenseless player protections, yeah. um, they're both just going to add up to really mean more points and less injuries for wide receivers and, and running backs, which is great for us, for our game. Isn't it just egregious hits to the head? Uh, there's some other uh, addendums to that rule, but yes. Like to the knees and stuff like that, I would imagine. In general, the, the rule is for the head. Um, okay. Overtime shortened to 10 minutes. I don't really think that'll have any impact on fantasy. That, I don't understand that. I, I they shouldn't do that, in my opinion. I feel like they're really uh, there's been too many ties. They they should not promote a rule that would result in more ties. They don't care about the ties. They're doing it because it's just more football. The idea again is player safety to cut down on the amount of time that they're out on the field. That's all. I okay. Well, I, I mean. At some point, if you're playing a whole game of NFL, of NFL football and then also playing 15-minute overtime period, it's just a lot. But I, I know. I don't understand. I, I I don't know. Saying it's in the name of player safety, like, they're not wrong. 
because they're playing less football, therefore there will be less injuries, mm-hmm. fewer injuries. Excuse me, Davos. But um, the you know are they just trying to get to a commercial quicker? Like, I don't really see the reason why the NFL made this rule. It's just another way that they can uh, act on player safety uh, without having to change the way that the game works. That's all. Changing the amount of time and overtime period takes is exactly changing the way the game works. I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much with you. But again, you know, these arbitrary rules, as long as they're global across the whole NFL, is not going to change anything. Sure. And you're not going to know the motivations of the NFL owners for why they do it. No, those 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 kinds of conversations. Maybe they're just like we're not allowed to sell beer during that time, anyways. Let's get these people out of our stadiums. Yeah, maybe. And those kinds of conversations are going to be happening in rooms that we'll never we'll never be able to be privy to those. So, uh, right. Um, uh, no longer penalizing most player and team celebrations, which is great. Uh, I actually really enjoy this. I look forward to seeing some cool. Are they going to be able to celebrate as a team? Yep. Like fucking line dance in the end zone. Well, I I don't know about that. But yes, they, they will not call I penalties. I bet you around Christmas we see a kick line, like the Rockettes, <laughs> from like an offensive line. They'll probably tell them before the Christmas football games that they're going to even lower the restrictions even more just to get more people watching and talking. It, it really, I mean, it really depends on how it goes. But people are, they're going to allow, be allowed to use props again. Use the football as a prop, yeah. but not as a weapon. And sexual or, or violence props are not allowed, yeah. Right. I just can't wait for Gerald McCoy to get fined for three pumps. Because <laughs> he's going to do it. Based on what we've seen on Hard Knocks so far this year. Well, he is obsessed with the fact that that is still part of the rule. It sucks that you can't do the bow and arrow. I like the bow and arrow. So I understand you don't want to use like an axe or like a shotgun or something. You're not like shooting it at people. But I like the bow and arrow. <laughs> Um, but that's about it. Uh, eliminating the first roster cut date and allowing two players to come back from IR instead of just one, given enough time left in the season. I think those are both good rules. So, uh, so in general, uh, this is one of the the years that I've been most pleased with the rules that are that have come out. And and I, you don't know how they're going to be uh, actually. Um, uh, what's the word? Implemented. I- enforced or implemented. Enforced is probably the more accurate word. Yeah, so we'll see how they get enforced, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of these things happen in the game. Yeah, uh, I've definitely, you know, we're, there's going to be drinking games revolved, revolving around different celebrations by the end of the year. Sure. Uh, so player changes and team updates, uh, again, just quickly, I think the, the team that benefits the most from off-season moves is the Tennessee Titans. That's my opinion. There's a lot of them out there. I wrote down a couple of teams that we could go through, kind of just the offensive players that have been added. For the Titans, they added Eric Decker, who's a huge uh, you know, red zone threat, who has like one of the highest uh, touchdown percentages on passes in the entire game ever. Yeah. Um, and Corey Davis, who is an, an amazing standout rookie that's looking to start being someone who contributes from uh, as soon as he can you know, get in there. He's... They have the most injured potential, but both guys return to practice today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, that team itself hasn't really lost anybody except for Kendall Wright, um, and they weren't utilizing him the way I, I felt like they should have been anyway. Yeah. So they've got a lot of offensive threats like Delaney Walker um, and then, of course, Decker and Davis, but even more than that, um, you know, great running backs, um, uh, they've got uh, great uh, defense and offensive players that are young and, and upcoming. So, well, don't they only pretty much have Demarco Murray now? Aren't they going to cut the rookie from a couple years ago? I really don't think so. At least I haven't heard anything about that. I need to consult my depth chart. But uh, but yeah, so 
So I think they're a great offensive team that's going to be just as good or better than a lot of people think they will this year and certainly make the playoffs, in, in my opinion. In that division, they have the Texans, Colts, Jaguars, and Titans. And I don't want to talk too much about the AFC South, but the only team that really poses a, a strong threat to them is the Texans, who will probably get to the playoffs again if, if their defense has anything to say about it. But I don't see the Colts or the Jaguars going too far, especially with all this questionable you know news around Andrew Luck. Yeah, and you know, side note with the Texans, they may have a scenario like the Saints in 2005 where they may not play many of their home games at home this year. Oh, that's interesting. They, they're definitely not playing this week, and... Uh, from the sounds of it, downtown Houston may be underwater for a long time. <laughs> That's true. Um, I don't know if their stadium is underwater or what the deal is. Um, so, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. But I wouldn't necessarily change my drafting strategy right now based on whether or not the Texans are going to play at home. No. Um, and back to what I was mentioning on the Titans real quick. Uh, I was thinking of the guy who did get cut. The The backup running back that they do have is stellar, Derrick Henry yeah. from Alabama. Fantastic! You're talking about third string guy. Uh, no, a guy who had been drafted a year before him, um, and his name has completely escaped me. And I believe he was cut. All right. Well, then, well, he's not. He's not. <laughs> he's not important to this discussion. Then I guess. Uh, quickly, the Patriots added Brandon Cooks, Dwayne Allen, Mike Gillisley, and Rex Burkhead. They went out and got a bunch of players that they wanted. So Gillisley and Burkhead add a lot of interesting depth to the to the running backs uh, because they had lost Legarrette Blunt. And then they added Dwayne Allen, who has been a great tight end for the most part, but not really utilized well by his teams. Uh, yeah. Running alongside Rom Gronkowski with Edelman out now, you're probably going to see uh, a lot of Cooks and Allen and some other people that uh, you'll mention later. Uh, the Raiders, they did pretty well by adding Marshawn Lynch. Um, they lost Latavius Murray. The rest of the team is pretty much the same, but adding Lynch in the backfield, as long as he has a year or two on him, which it seems like he does... Uh, could really be what brings them to the next level with Derek Carr healthy. Beast Mode knows Beast Mode. That's right. And he knows that he can do it still. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, uh, they added Adrian Peterson, Ted Ginn, and Alvin Kamara. Uh, P- Peterson and Kamara are both backfield guys. Uh, I don't know if we'll see a lot of Alvin, but Adrian Peterson is a great guy to be a short yardage running back. You got him cheap. Uh, and he's going to be splitting time with Mark Ingram. So you don't want Mark Ingram and Peterson to be running against you. That's a ridiculous <laughs> tantrum of guys, a tandem of guys that you do not want. It's to, a backfield tantrum. You do not want to be playing against them. So I think they did a, a nice job as well. Um, I wanted to touch on the Giants, who added Brandon Marshall and Evan Ingram. Evan Engram is looked at as one of those tight ends that could be really amazing in a couple years. In preseason games, I've already seen them throw the ball to him a ton. Uh, he's targeted a lot. They've already have Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. adding Brandon Marshall. Uh, you know, it doesn't even matter that they don't have a great running back uh, tandem right now because all those three wide receivers uh, spreading the field, it's going to be hard for anyone to defend against. Eli can get the ball to anybody. I mean, he's a freaking Manning. He knows how to play quarterback he is a manning and he, he has a couple years left so we should have a couple years of good fantasy production from the giants uh the eagles added elshon jeffrey and tory smith and Legarrette blunt there were some whispers about blunt not doing well in the backfield but i think a lot of that amounts to nothing it's going to end up being blunt and smallwood in the backfield but the real big deal is trading jordan matthews um and uh and having elshon jeffrey and tory smith come in so Carson Wentz is one of those guys that I have kind of pegged as a sleeper this year with a lot of big targets, you know, uh, a, a different kind of offense that's settling in. They, they could be an interesting team. 
Yeah, I like the Eagles, definitely. I They had a strong start last year and really struggled. I think that a lot of that had to do with having a rookie quarterback. A lot of people figured him out, but he's going to be better this year. As rookies progress, they're going to get better. He was a first or second overall pick, so I expect good things from Carson Wentz. Yep, I agree. Uh, Los Angeles Rams, so first year in L.A., and they added two wide receivers from Buffalo, Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. <laughs> now that Buffalo was clearing house, you know, and they had a one-day sale. Oh, they sale. played in L.A. last year. A different team is experiencing their first team in L.A. Oh, the Chargers, yeah. Second right. second year L.A. team, right? The L.A.C. Right. They're the incumbent L.A. team. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so Veteran L.A. team. Grabbing a guy like Sammy Watkins for the cheap price that they got him for uh, especially considering what, what Watkins is, which is uh, a huge top five WR1 possibility, uh, with a new quarterback with Jared Goff who had nobody to throw the ball to before. So now he can finally throw the ball to a guy who's going to be there, going to be huge, going to be able to grab up and get it. Even if Goff throws the ball incorrectly, if Watkins is healthy, he can catch the ball in any circumstance. He's definitely a go-up-and-get-it guy. Um, so Watkins and Todd Gurley, which are both really high picks in the draft over the past couple of years, if the new offensive coordinator and coach of the Rams are able to do what they want to do, which is make this a fast-paced offensive team, instead of what it was before, which is just a team that was resting on the laurels of their defense, right. then they should be able to win some games. And I'm talking about for your fantasy team, not on the NFL, because I don't know if they're going to be a good NFL team, but I do know that they will put up some points on your fantasy team. They will, and if they're not a good NFL team, then they get garbage time. They can put up even more points. <laughs> right, so you've got a young quarterback, you've got a stellar wide receiver. Out of all the shuffling around that Buffalo and Philly and uh, the Rams did, I think the Rams are the clear winner here because they're the ones who wound up with Sammy Watkins when they had no like real WR1 to begin with. Yeah, and I don't think they were necessarily going for him. It was more like Buffalo was just sending out feelers, and they were like, okay, fine, Sammy Watkins, that sounds Right, great. every once in a while someone's like, hey, would you like this player for that player? And they say yes instantly, and you go, oh, damn, that was a bad offer on my part. That's right. <laughs> Uh, lastly, uh, and possibly least, is the Baltimore Ravens. And it's not just because I'm a Steelers fan. Uh, there's questions around Andrew Luck and Joe Flacco as far as their health. Uh, people are assuring us that Joe Flacco will be out there and playing. I'm not so certain about Andrew Luck. I've heard things about him not being out there for at least a month. But uh, adding Danny Woodhead and Jeremy Macklin, those are two veteran guys that are really good. Uh, and especially on a team like that, that's what they need is a veteran wide receiver who can still stretch the field and a running back who's able to get those short passes out of the flats uh, or when the quarterback's having trouble, especially if Flacco is not available for a while or even if he is, uh, you know you're going to see a lot of Woodhead getting those uh, passes in the backfield, especially because Kenneth Dixon, who they were counting on to be their number one running back, is unfortunately uh, on the injured reserve I forget what his exact injury was, but he's out for the season. So those are the teams I think added the most uh, in the offseason. There's a couple of other contenders, but out of all those, I think the Titans and probably the Rams, uh, as you mentioned, uh, have have gotten the most out of those situations. Sure, and the Cardinals and the Seahawks are obviously the, uh, you know, sort of the what bell cows of the division. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see one year, Someone other than them win the division. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, let's, Not this year, but eventually. Let's talk a minute about uh, some of those major injuries and just a couple that you can point out and maybe who their replacements could be and where you should draft them 
um, or or if they're rising or falling kind of. Uh, sure. So um, a couple of the big injuries, and really these are all injuries that happened this weekend, um, was Julian Edelman and then Spencer Ware on Friday night. Uh, they both went down with knee injuries, and they're out for the season. Well, Edelman's out for the season. Where I don't think they've decided yet if he's going to be out like a pup style comeback halfway through or IR and probably be done for the whole year. Um, but that's going to be decided probably by the first. I think is sort of the day they need to pick figure that out. Well, he has a torn PCL. Oh, it's a torn PSC, PCL for sure. That happened on the twenty seventh. Um, so yes, I they haven't announced. I think you're correct, but I don't see any... a lot of teams haven't actually. Uh, assign the tags to the players september 1st is when they're required to officially declare for this uh for this week but uh, i'm sorry to to break in but yes absolutely i think with a torn pcl it's going to be too long into the season to risk having the guy out there and on pup so i'm pretty sure it's going to be uh injured reserve okay um so on the patriots you've got danny amendola and chris hogan uh and as you mentioned earlier dwayne allen who are going to be kind of filling uh the, the role of Julian Edelman. I don't think they have one guy who's going to fill the role the most. I think if you have to pick one guy uh, and you want to draft him, I would go with Danny Amendola, who has a very low ADP right now. His ADP is actually lower than Chris Hogan's. Um, Amendola is the is a WR64, which means he's being drafted at the very end of drafts as bench depth. Uh, but one of the things that Tom Brady said is that uh, you know he trusts Amendola and when he was first asked about like who's going to fill the role, uh, right when Edelman went down, Brady immediately started talking about Amendola. So clearly, uh, there's already a rapport there. Anybody with a rapport with Tom frickin' Brady is fantasy relevant. Like, Amendola's been over to his house to watch movies with him and his... Uh... The, the kids hang out together and stuff, probably. Who knows? This is good news for Amendola. Right. So anyone with a rapport with Tom Brady needs to be owned on fantasy teams. But you think they'll kind of uh, all sort of work together to to get these carries, uh, to get these targets. Uh, I also think Rex Burkhead is probably a, a, a guy who's going to get some backfield targets instead of an Edelman. Um, I don't know if you saw him play in the, uh, in the last preseason game, but he did really well and had great rapport with Brady. But it's really tough to say, right, on the Patriots? Exactly. Uh, more than almost any other team, I think that the Patriots are the you know are the one where you're like you're going to pick it, and Bill Belichick is going to see that you picked it, and you're counting on it, and he's going to go somewhere else. So who else slipped and fell? Uh, so we have Cameron Meredith on the Bears, who went down uh, with a gruesome knee injury. They had to put him on the cart and put an air cast around his leg. Um, so you've got a trio of guys who I kind of eyed out uh, for this. Kevin White. Kendall Wright, Kevin White, Kendall Wright, uh, and Victor Cruz. I should have, like, you know, not put them in order. In that you order. know, it was one of those plays where Fox uh, purposely didn't air the replay because they thought it was too gruesome to They replay. said that, yeah. I remember them saying that. They were like, oh, we're not going to look at this one again. Um, and I saw it live, and when you see it live, it's never that bad, thankfully, because I'll cringe at that stuff. I don't look at the replays. I don't watch surgery when it's on TV. <laughs> um, so, anyways, the guy here who may fill the role more uh, for the Bears is Kevin White, but I'm not sold on him. I think the guy that you may want on your team of those three is Kendall Wright, a favorite of Dave's, um, who is not even uh, ranked right now in the ADP list on Fantasy Pros. Um, So he's available on your waiver wire most likely. He's available at the very end of drafts. 
Um, the way he looked in the third preseason game, both quarterbacks seemed to like throwing to him, both Glennon and uh, Trubisky, who is clearly a distant third still so I for saw, some reason. I saw a game in Nashville last year, a Thursday night game. It was uh, the Titans versus, uh, versus the Jaguars. And Kendall Wright was great, and I was watching him all season. I picked him up in various leagues, PPR leagues, etc. And even though people seem to always put him under, um, uh, what do you call it, the just sort of not being observed on a on a day to day basis as far as fantasy relevance, right. he is a PPR guy. So he's going to be a possession guy that gets like uh, four or five passes per game. Maybe he'll get a little slant route for a touchdown. That's what happened when I was in Nashville and saw that game. But I think that his rapport with both uh, uh, the quarterbacks, according to Bears team news, is going to propel him to be the number two guy. Because I've seen Marcus Wheaton, um, I've seen Victor Cruz, <laughs> right. and, and wh- where they are right now with their health, etc. I don't really see either of those guys um, making it to a number two position and, and, and proving consistently that they can play on that level. And Kevin White, I don't believe in either, but he has to be the number one because they have no one else. Exactly. And, you know, Victor Cruz is, I don't know, I don't want to say he's too old, but he, he just, I don't see him as being the guy who's going to step up and be the number one. No, he's He too, had that talent once, but that's not the same player. He lost three steps instead of one step, which is the issue. That's was, really hard. It was nice to see that he, he took could three still, steps back and he's taken a half salsa forward. It was nice to see that he could still salsa in the end zone, though. He did score a touchdown for the Bears, I think, in week one of the preseason, which is great. But that might be his highlight reel, unfortunately, for the end of his career. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I do recommend grabbing Kevin White. Kendall, man, I'm going to screw this up all year. Kendall Wright. Kendall Wright on your team um, because, like you said, he's going to be a, a huge PPR guy. Even if he is considered the WR2, I think he's going to play out of the slot mostly. He'll probably be the best receiver on the Bears. So sorry, Bears fans. Yeah, the Bears, yeah. Kevin I White mean, is the worst WR1 in the entire things league. Things looked well going through the third preseason game. They were playing the Titans, who are a good team. The offense was doing well. I know you mentioned. Jordan Howard was running the ball. They were throwing the ball well. Right, I was out of town and Jason was like, he, he's like, you know what? It's amazing. I'm watching a Bears game, and everything's going well, and I'm happy to watch it. And right, then, I was being entertained by the Cameron Bears. And then Cameron Meredith snapped his leg in half. And... Right, and, <laughs> you know, uh, it was all over after that. So Another saying, Trubisky's the third-string uh, quarterback, which John Fox is just this old guy in a cave, like, muttering to himself. Yeah, he just wants Mitch Trubisky to get off his lawn, I think. <laughs> um, so the last, <laughs> the last guy uh, that had a major injury this weekend was Spencer Ware. We did talk about him a bit already in the show but i just want to mention again kareem hunt is according to andy reed going to be the featured back so that is huge praise like most of the time guys especially rookies getting put in oh we'll put him in a timeshare we'll ease him in he's well we have an injury you're going to be the featured back now buddy do you think we should change the name of our show to according to andy reed according to andy reed <laughs> we get someone to draw him like a walrus Absolutely. or is that too cliche but no, I think Hunt is, is uh, like you said, he's he's inserted. No, 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 this is perfect. According to, quote, Andy Reid, and we get that dude who dresses like Andy Reid at all the games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Hunt, Hunt is going to be the guy who is that guy, like that Victor Cruz, that Odell Beckham Jr., before the season even begins. So those of you who were lucky enough to have him available in your league on the wire, and you could just pick him up, fantastic work. Uh, you know, convincing your commissioner to have a draft so early, uh, and and paying <laughs> just attention. so you can snipe those players and paying attention while everyone else is watching Game of Thrones. 
Oh, you know, Sunday, whenever, if a player went down during the Sunday game, you would be the only one who knew. Uh, someone in the chat room said Andy lost 60 pounds. I will believe that when I see it. I have not seen it yet. <laughs> he always reminds me Good of him, uh, the, um, the in, through the looking glass, there's there's one of those poems by Lewis Carroll, the, uh, the, wal- the walrus, I think is the name of it. And he, he always reminds me of the walrus guy. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Maybe it's a little too crazy. Uh, well, as... I now just think of him as uh, the caricature that they use on the draw play. Uh, yeah, that, shout out to them, by the way. The draw play is a fantastic website. I think it's thedrawplay.com. And every week or so, sometimes even more, depending on... No, three on... times a week. Well, three... They do, um, I think it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Well, this guy knows There's a new comic. Fantastic. Oh, I go to this site multiple times a week. The draw play is a webcomic about football and fantasy football. And well, he's he's funny, and they're insightful, and uh, it's great. Yeah, you should check it out, David uh, Rapoccio. So, like right now, for example, he has uh, he has a uh, a comic about the the real reason why Julian Edelman went down, and it's it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So yeah, thedrawplay.com, Check it out. He's a he's a cool guy. Those comics are great. Um, anything else on those guys or any other injuries you want to touch on before we move on? Uh, sorry, I just read the comic. It's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, uh, I don't think that there were any more huge injuries. Uh, one of the things that I'm interested in seeing is the whole Teddy Bridgewater returning, possibly. Returning means that he'll be the backup quarterback. Right. I'm surprised he can even play. I thought it was going to be like a two-year injury. I think what they've been saying is that it's sometime during the year he could return to the team. Okay. But, because that's also, they were comparing Cameron Meredith's injury to Teddy Bridgewater's injury. Yeah. In I, terms of just, like, severity. Well, in in fact, so so that's one of the things, today is a cut-down day for our Dynasty League, for example. Uh, and what I might do is just cut Cameron Meredith entirely because uh, they were saying that this could be something that bleeds into 2018. I've had guys before that you just sit on for a while and, you know, uh, there's there's only so warm. They only get so warm, you know, they never get hot. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to get up off the pot, I guess, and and uh, move on from a player. So I'll, I'll be flipping a coin about that later. Okay, Dave. So you're a, <laughs> you're a huge Steelers fan. You have much experience with uh, what I'm about to ask you. I want to know what you think is going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott because he's suspended to start the season, and you know that the Steelers are <laughs> know a lot about their running backs being suspended to start the season. Uh... So how do you want to treat that when you're drafting? Yeah, well, you're not wrong, except that the suspension of the running backs to start the season, like Le'Veon Bell, is not domestic abuse. I didn't say it's for the same reason. No, but I think... I'm just making a running backs are suspended joke. I just think that... It's not deeper than that. I just think that perhaps that that has an additional, uh, like, a little bit more to it. It's certainly a longer suspension because of that. Well, not only that, but you you always have that, that kind of thing, that little stigma next to you, right? So Ezekiel Elliott... Uh, Do is, you... Does it last? I think so. Uh, I mean... Well, there's there's been some players that, that these kinds of situations have had uh, where they get cut and never go back to the game at all, for example. Uh, sure, and then there's situations where, it, just like this, there's nothing official. People are just being accused. They get suspended like a Ben Roethlisberger. But, I mean, it seems like nobody, you know, that's gone away. It, it's nothing more than a few people making bad jokes. Hopefully, I think so. But you know, Ben at least went to court and got things expunged and taken care of, etc. Anyway, but without getting into too much uh, drama over any of this, to to your point, uh, what will probably happen is I don't think that because of the domestic abuse charges that they'll push this. I think they'll take care of it now. 
I think he'll lose his appeal. And I okay. think and think he'll get his six game suspension because the NFL is is trying to look more uh, strict and more uh, on target yeah. than they have in the past. So it's better, actually, in my opinion, than than say he got an appeal and he ended up uh, going out in the last eight games and right, six games. Right, right, yeah, that, that would, would be, be a, worse for your team. Would be devastating for the team. If you pick up Ezekiel Elliott at a discount right now, as with a coupon, like a twenty percent off, yeah, you know, it's way better to have him towards the end of the season when you've already done your your work to get you into the playoffs. Imagine yourself as a seven and six team that ekes their way into the playoffs, but then has Ezekiel Elliott on the roster. You know, exactly. And he's only played for like five weeks and he's just getting started. What's interesting is uh, I think Alfred Morris and I saw the game last week. Uh, I think Alfred Morris is like chomping at the bit. Uh, I hate to compare him to a horse, but, you know, people do. It happens uh, because he, he's a large man. He's been moving around and catching passes and stuff. And it's it's amazing. I never saw him do that on the Redskins. They never threw him the ball on the Redskins. I bet he has ten receptions for, on the Redskins. Morris is a is quite a target uh, to maybe use in those first couple weeks. I, I always want to look these things up as we bring them up on the show, so I can call back to the running back that was drafted by the Titans, who I couldn't remember. <laughs> you want to take a stab at it? I don't remember. It was Bishop Sankey. Oh, Sankey. Bishop Sankey. Was it 2015 or 2014? It was uh, 2015. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're so, right. There was a lot about him, and then nothing. Right? In his career in Washington, he had 47 catches in four years. Uh, not, not good. So uh, the preseason rankings are up, and they're being updated. Uh, they are on Drink5.com. They're on FantasyPros.com. You guys can use them. Feel free to. Um, we're going to have uh, rankings throughout the week, and I also encourage you to use Fantasy Pros as a resource. We don't get sponsored by them, but I'd love to. But they have a lot of great tools. Uh, in fact, there's people that do notes on each player, which is a lot of work, believe me, because I've done it before. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's uh, the rankings where they're tiered. So that's really good resource to use in a draft. We've talked about tiers before in uh, draft shows. Yeah, I think, I think tiering, to know about. tiering the people is great because then you might end up uh, taking multiple tier uh, twos or something instead of take, slipping going to another position and taking tier three players. Yep. What you're really looking for is the is the best... It helps with the best value drafting. Best value, exactly. Value-based drafting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, about some sleepers and busts. Uh, I'm just going to name a couple players, and, uh, and then maybe uh, uh, you pick one you want to talk about if you agree with me. I don't want to talk about disagreeing, really. We don't have too much time left. but So just pick one that you agree with me on and tell me why. So uh, sleepers that I've picked, quarterbacks, uh, Carson Wentz, Andy Dalton, and Brian Hoyer. Uh, tell me one of those guys you think uh, is going to outperform uh, his ADP by a lot and why that is. Uh, who are the three players again? Wentz and Dalton and Hoyer. I, I think that Wentz will probably be the best just all-around all performer of those three guys. Um, so it, clearly he's not going to be the highest uh, ADP of those. So he's the best value for me. Um, and you can call him a sleeper because he's not in the top 10. He's not probably being drafted. True. I like Dalton too because uh, they did just pick up uh, uh, Joe Mixon who will end up being their running back. They have A.J. Green who everyone sleeps on anyway. Even though he's in the first round, he's, he's way too close to the end of it. Um, and uh, they also have Tyler Eifert. Uh, and John Ross, who they just drafted this year. So I think their offense will be better than expected. Uh, and A.J. Green is going to get... He might even end up being a top three or four 
uh, wide receiver, but he is always a top five talent in the NFL unless injuries or something occur. Uh, sleepers running back Kareem Hunt, uh, Jamal Charles, and Marlon Mack. Jamal Charles, really? Um, did you see his performance this past week? I know that he really kind of looked like Jamal Charles. He did, and that's scary because I know Jamal Charles can score four touchdowns in a game. Because they also have C.J. Anderson, who's also playing well, because he has Jamal Charles breathing down his face. <laughs> um, so I don't know that I would like endorse Jamal Charles. Obviously, the guy who I like out of that group is Kareem Hunt, because I feel like that's the best guarantee for lots of work. Yeah, you know, I wrote this a bit ago, so I can't really consider him to be a sleeper anymore. Sure. So, uh, so I agree. I also like Marlon Mack. He's on the Indianapolis Colts, for those of you who don't know who he is. He's a rookie this year. And we always say, you know, the demise of Frank Gore is nigh. Uh, it's coming. Frank but, Gore. But for real this time, you guys. Well, here's what I think. Robert Turbin is injured and hasn't been playing that great anyway after he left Seattle. Frank Gore is uh, someone who's going to take a lot of damage without Andrew Luck there. So I think that we're going to see Frank Gore get injured or something this year. And Marlon Mack could be one of those guys that steps up and, and performs well. So we'll see. But I, I agree with you. If Kareem Hunt's on the list, he wins. Yeah. Wide, wide receivers, Chris Hogan, Kendall Wright, and Sterling Shepard. Um, who was the first one? Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. Oh, boy. I mean, I got to go with, especially in a PPR league, Kendall Wright here. Um, I, you know, I think that Chris Hogan is going to get like three to four catches per game. And he might score like five or six touchdowns this year. And that's not what you're looking for even out of the WR3. That's not enough consistency. Meanwhile, you're going to get Kendall Wright getting five, six catches a game. And he's going to have 70, 80 yards a game. So in a PPR, you're starting him every week. And, you know, he'll find the end zone. He's the guy they go to. They throw it to him on third down. Um, you know, he's going to also get red zone targets because they got nobody else. I really appreciate... They got Zach Miller. I really appreciate uh, your, your sort of... Uh, your view here on Kendall Wright and the Chicago Bears, uh, I think you might be coming a fan again. I mean, I'm a <laughs> fan of good football. Well, I'm always going to take Chris Hogan in that situation just because Tom Brady is a better quarterback than the, uh, the other guys. than the ridiculous situation the Bears are currently involved in. <laughs> That's very in. true. You need to get the ball to you. And I like Sterling Shepard for the record, but uh, Sterling Shepard's being good. He's is, a distant third right that's now. That's dependent on the fact that either Marshall or Beckham get injured or something. Basically, yeah. And so I don't think they will. I think I don't I, like taking flyers based on injuries. Yeah. So I think I think Hogan and Wright um, Wright is certainly more easily draftable at the at the current uh, ADPs. Um, so tight end we have Julius Thomas and Dwayne Allen. Um. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Julius Thomas. I just think that you know Jay Cutler. The only other thing he needs is a tight end. I agree. So you know he's Julius Thomas was. Very talented when he was in Denver and he had a good uh, quarterback. You know, Adam Gase knows how to get the ball to a tight end. I think I think Julius Thomas is going to be the resurgence of the tight end on the Dolphins. They tried for a while, you know, and they had multiple guys there. Who was the guy that was there for a year or two and, and he was supposed to be great and it just didn't work out? Uh, well, they had Deion Sims, who's now on the Bears. And no, they no. had uh, Bigger name Jordan guy. Cameron. Jordan Cameron. Yeah. And a lot of people drafted him super high with Tannehill. And then right. he, he like, had a huge year in Cleveland. He couldn't and they got catch a big anything. Contract. Yeah. Well, it was, I think it was a lot of concussion problems. Okay. Well, I guess, yes. If you're yeah, seeing I mean, stars. Yeah. Hey, being healthy is part of playing in the NFL. Yeah. So not to like say, oh, you're stupid, you got a concussion. Just saying, getting concussions makes you a worse football player. 
Yeah. So I, I like Thomas too. Uh, so busts uh, is the last thing that we do here. Uh, quarterbacks. Uh, I have Andrew Luck, who is injured, has like a, a weird month timetable that people are whispering, and and really there's no particular time that he might come back and actually play. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser, who is battling with Brian Hoyer to be the you know the quarterback in Cleveland, uh, <laughs> and they're kind of anointing him as the Week One starter. But he's a rookie, and I don't know that he's going to be able to handle all the abuse that uh, that being a Cleveland Browns quarterback will put on you. Uh, and Tyrod Taylor, who's part of the Buffalo, we're selling all of our assets. Uh, we want to be just like the Jets team. Sure. I mean, uh, uh, fantasy-wise, those guys are all busts. That's an obvious thing. I'll give you a bust who's higher on the list. I think that Cam Newton is going to be a fantasy bust this year. Because of his injury? Because, because he's, not he's come injured. Back he's not really, you know, he's going to have to play a little differently one of his big strengths is that he's basically their goal line back and he's gonna he's gonna need to chill out on that at some point and you know the the coach had said he doesn't really know what to expect from cam newton well they did draft christian mccaffrey who's actually really good and has been good in preseason i think they'll use him and jonathan stewart pretty well for that but i agree with you i think that cam newton will finish lower than his adp put him at um, out of that list, uh, I'm going to go against Luck, and I'm going to say Luck is not uh, doesn't have enough endurance and strength to uh, recover from this injury on the timetable that was originally promised. Oh, definitely. Uh, running backs, Eddie Lacy, all the New England running backs, or all the New York Jets running backs. What New York Jets running backs? Like Matt Forte? Matt Forte. Well, I Powell. just saw that they might be trying to trade him. I know, but that's that's conjecture. But then, wouldn't you want to have Bilal Powell? Probably if there's not. no split there, then, then somebody's worth having. On a team with no quarterback and no receivers? Do you, Josh McCown. They're just going to stack the box. I can't sit here and actually like talk up the New York Jets. What am I thinking? You cannot. They're <laughs> going to be the, easily the worst team in football no matter what. So clearly, that one's written off. Um, I, yeah, I, I could definitely get behind Eddie Lacy being a bust. Um, you know, Even when he was supposed to be in shape last year, it didn't really do much. Remember all the P90 Eddie La- P90X Eddie Lacy stuff last year? To be year? fair to Eddie Lacy, he has so far reached all of his weight goals. Each one, I think he gets $30,000 or a new Toyota Corolla, whichever he decides. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know He's if that's like, I'm going to get myself it. five Toyota Corollas. <laughs> With sunroofs. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think Eddie Lacy is not going to be the guy. I think Thomas Rawls is going to be the guy that gets the carries there. Um, it's just, I think he'll be a big bust because people are still drafting him somewhat high because of his name and because of how much money they spent to get him. Glenn thinks that uh, Eddie Lacy is going to have a huge game against the Packers in the first game. I mean, maybe. Uh, <laughs> he could still, but then that's it. He could still be a bust. Sure. I mean, teams guys do generally play a lot better against the, the teams that have done them wrong or, or a disservice. They haven't done any disservices to Eddie Lacy. Not really. Eddie Lacy did Lacey, it all to himself. Yeah, he did a disservice to them. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, Dante Moncrief, Jarvis Landry. All three are uh, are looking to uh, improve on their last year's performances. Uh, Landry's done pretty well, but will he have that relationship with Cutler that he had? If with anybody, Tannehill? it's got to be Moncrief because of the lack of a quarterback there. Yeah, again. Th- th- that's that's my you know knee jerk reaction to that. I-, I personally think that Sammy Watkins not a bust at all. Uh, Jarvis Landry, you may have a point. He may not have that rapport because Jarvis isn't the go down the field and get huge numbers guy. If Cutler's he needs throwing to get to the Parker, ball, yeah. right. He needs to get the ball ten times a game to be really valuable. There's so many 10 reception, 85-yard games that Jarvis Landry has. Do you know Landry has the same amount of receptions right now as Odell Beckham Jr. does? And they they were both rookies the same year. They were both uh, went to the same college, and they're basically like both best friends. 
And doesn't one of them have like <laughs> far more uh, yards than the other? Well, Beckham Jr. has been uh, a better receiver because he's more explosive. But honestly, like Landry has put up a ton of points, and especially in PPR leagues, he's he's a he's a guy to have. Yeah, but he's he's an under the radar the guy. You're like Jarvis Landry, I don't know, he's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. Well, he's sucking in the receptions. But yeah. like you said, the quarterback is not Ryan Tannehill, and a lot of times when you change quarterbacks, that changing of the guards also changes uh, the uh, the wide receivers that are getting the targets. So I'm with you. I think uh, I think Moncrief is probably the number one bust target there. And last, I have uh, Jared Cook on the Raiders or Antonio Gates on the newly minted Los Angeles Chargers. Oh boy, um, Antonio Gates is kind of like uh, Frank Gore, right? We write him <laughs> off every year, touchdowns. and he still scores touchdowns. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, w- I would have to go with Cook there. Cook has, like, a couple of highlights in his career. You know, every year he's going to get, like, a 70-yard touchdown, and he, that'll be one of his three for the whole year. Okay, I agree. Uh, any any other questions from the chat room? If you guys, I'll give you a minute or two to uh, to come out with them if you have any. I know uh, we have some drafts upcoming this this coming weekend. And then I actually have a draft on uh, on Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, no, on Thursday of yeah. next week, uh, which is going to be during the first football game, which is really awkward. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how I think that you'll goes. get through it. Oh, it'll be fine. I just uh, I, I I'm interested to see how it works, and I'll and I'll report back on that uh, in the week two preview show. Uh, so we're going to be doing this uh, every week through the football season, and the podcasts are going to be scheduled for 8 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday evening. Uh, so if uh, you guys have anybody that you know in your fantasy leagues that might be interested in listening, don't tell them uh, because it will give them an advantage. Just, right. just This uh, is our new marketing strategy. We're telling everybody, don't tell anybody about this. Just listen yourself because obviously if you tell other people, then they'll know the same information you do. Uh, a question from the chat room from Glenn is, what will happen when Carson Palmer finally dies? Uh, and I think the answer is, David Johnson just gets better. It's <laughs> more work for David Johnson. He'll uh, be the quarterback as well. No, uh, I think their backup is the old Detroit Lions quarterback backup. What's his name? Uh, uh, oh, shoot. Drew Stanton? Yes, Drew Stanton. And so what, what, what I didn't that, even look that up. What that might mean is that they might end up getting a guy like Colin Kaepernick or something if he's still a free agent, uh, if that happens during the early part of the season. Because Arizona thinks that this is the last year that they could possibly uh, you know, try for this championship their window with, with Larry Fitzgerald. With Larry, right. Not, not their window at all, but their window with Larry. They're, yeah, in, in, you know, in a manner of speaking. Well, you have David Johnson, which means you always have a chance to do something. But yes, Carson Palmer's old, Larry Fitzgerald's old. But what about old. Kerwin Williams? What about Kerwin Williams? <laughs> Isn't that a painting company? Isn't that what yeah. That is? Uh, so if, if nothing else from the chat room, uh, Jason, why don't you, why don't you, uh, uh, wrap, wrap it up with your closing thoughts. So tell us, uh, what, what you think, um, you know, going into these final drafts. So I've got three drafts between now and the next, uh, show. I'm pumped about all of them. Uh, tomorrow night we've got a standard league draft, um, with, uh, what you call it, uh, with the drink five people. So that's going to be really fun. I really think that, um, you know, I'm going to be aiming for a lot of these uh, guys we're talking about tonight. Kareem Hunt and, um, you know, maybe a Kendall Wright at the end of the draft. If I draft right before Dave, I'm definitely going to do it. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. I am sort of giving away, 
you know, the strategy there. But that's the point of the show is we're never going to lie about our strategy on the show. So if you do play with us, you know, we're, we're open uh, books, I suppose. Well, uh, only if asked the right question. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we've got a couple more minutes. Uh, again, any more questions from the chat? Um, I want to recommend that everybody go ahead and check out the drink5.com website. We have a number of cool articles that will be there throughout the year, but my favorite at the moment uh, is the uh, Rookie Report special. Uh, so I encourage you to check this one out. It's one written by uh, Sean Foss, who's a writer for Drink 5, and it's uh, the success rates for wide receivers based on their draft round and college competition. And you did what, a lot of work on this. I thought it was a very well-done article. Yeah, what I think is good about it is that it has a lot of uh, statistics put together in a table, and, and things were well-researched and thought out. Now, uh, it is from a week or two ago, so there is uh, there's a couple guys that, that you can kind of take off the list. But what's really interesting are the numbers that he publishes um, as far as the, uh, the number of wide receivers who hit uh, in those rounds um, and the ones who hit big versus the ones who were not uh, not big. Um, and I, I think it's really cool that every time you draft, especially in a dynasty league or in a in like a, a, a redraft league with a lot of depth, at the end of those uh, leagues, you're drafting guys that are upside players. And upside to me means someone ahead of them might get injured or they might step up their game in a big way. We look at third round uh, or third year wide receivers as still being those those years where the wide receivers break out. My my biggest one this year is Devontae Parker with Jay Cutler. I think he's going to be amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. And as long as Jay Cutler is healthy, it looks like he's going to have a big year with the Dolphins. And I know a lot of Bears fans will, will kind of be sweating out there because they know that every time uh, a Bears player leaves, like Thomas Jones, Greg Olson, now Jay Cutler, they end up doing better on the team that they go to afterwards. In this case, Jay Cutler had to retire before he came back to life as a football player. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty amazing stuff. So other guys on that list, Jamison Crowder, Amari Cooper. Yeah, Crowder's going to be cool too, yeah. yeah especially because it looks like Josh Doxson is sort of off the books there in uh, yeah. Washington. Um, Tyler Lockett in Seattle, I suppose this would be the time for him to either really step up as a – consistent receiver or you know not do anything else um cameron meredith was primed for that third year he was gonna he be was primed for it he was gonna be a, a an above average he WR1 was gonna have more than a thousand yards this year yeah it would have been nice um so uh uh who else we got eli rogers on the on the steelers how's he looking have you seen him in any of the preseason games I sure. I saw him show up once or twice. Rodgers has been fine. He'll still be that slot guy right now because Juju uh, was just recently injured, uh, checked for concussion, Yeah, um, and he'll be fine. Juju Smith-Schuster is actually a really cool candidate uh, to take over that slot role, but it doesn't look like he's taken it from Eli Rodgers in the preseason. Yep. Uh, With Martavis Bryant back, it's really just Brown and Bryant. Right. One of the guys who I really like, uh, liked last year a lot was J.J. Nelson in Arizona. Um, he's still behind... Uh, Fitzgerald and whichever Brown they like more. Um, <laughs> and then another guy who is a third-year guy, but it doesn't really count as third year, is Kevin White, who really has no years under his belt <laughs> at the moment. All right. Okay, well, then I guess uh, we're going to wrap it up. And thank you guys for listening to uh, the inaugural episode of the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. Ooh, well done. Stop. 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 Stop.
Let's go.